Uh, time is coming at us like a speeding train's friends with summer almost over and September is right around the corner. That means that the WNBA regular season is also racing to the end. Some at a much better clip than others of some with a little bit uptick. We're going to talk about it all today right here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Monday, everyone. It is August 28th, 2023, the last Monday of the month. And if you are like me and you have been smack in the middle of this insane heat wave that has been racing across the country, I hope you have found some relief. And if you have a few flowers left that have not been fried and they survive your Monday, maybe with just a little bit of color. I am Missy Heydrich, the National Women's Basketball Correspondent here at the next thank you for making lockdown women's basketball your first listen every day we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day and this episode is brought to you by FanDuel sportsbook official sportsbook of lockdown make every moment more right now new customers can bet five dollars and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed visit fanduel.com lockdown to get started. You can follow me at Missy Heidrich. Be sure to follow this podcast at Locked On Women's Basketball and come to see us at www.thenexthoops.com as well. All right, we have just about 14 days left of the WNBA regular season for the 2023. And then the playoffs are upon us. We're seeing teams continue to dominate, others surge and others, well, just kind of limping their way to the finish. So today we are going to put the Indiana Fever under the microscope. What have we seen this season? What is going to take for this franchise to make a playoff push in the future? And who is chasing this year's coveted playoff burst as we get down to the end of it? Can anyone dethrone the Aces? Here to talk all about it and more with me today is a regular in the world of our Lockdown Network, Tony East, the next Indiana Fever beat reporter, publisher of All Pacers, and host of Lockdown Pacers podcast. Hi, Tony. Welcome, my friend. I was thinking the other day as I was uh, looking at sort of the world of the WNBA, how these teams, what the seasons have looked like for everyone. And we do this with all professional sports. You do it all the time in the world of the NBA in the winter months. We dissect teams. We look at franchises, the ones that people say, are they not necessarily performing? Are they not winning? Are they underachieving? You know, we can talk about it right now. Everyone's looking at the Mets or the Yankees or the MLB. We've talked about the A's all season long if you're a baseball fan. Uh, in the NFL last year, everyone wanted to bash the Bears or the Arizona Cardinals. During the NBA season, it was the Rockets, the Detroit Pistons. There's always going to be those teams where you say, are they, have they put it together enough to be able to get themselves in the conversation? The ups and downs of this Indiana Fever franchise this season seems to put that microscope and let everybody kind of dissect it. When you take a step back and look at what the season has been about, what has struck you as maybe some of the positives and yet that sidelight of the negatives that you've seen all season. 
Missy, you, you didn't correctly describe the longest winning streak in the WNBA, Indiana Fever, to be more specific <laughs> right now. What funny timing to be talking about them, especially in this context, right? Because, you know, when you messaged me to do this, they had just beat the Mercury, which they have the worst, the Mercury of the worst record in the league. Like, okay, right. they should beat the Mercury. And now they're on a three-game winning streak for the first time in over two years and are rolling. So interesting timing to dive into how this season has gone for the Fever because they look great. Right now, they just went, they're just they done playing for August. They went 500 in the month, right? That is how I would kind of talk about the progress they've made is like going 500 a month is a significant step forward for them given how their last three, four seasons have gone in terms of growth, development, flipping their roster over. But in terms of the positives, the things that I described before the season have kind of come to fruition in terms of like they finally have leaders in terms of players, coaches, GM in the right seat, right? They have Lynn, Lynn took over, Lynn Dunn, their GM took over two weeks into free agency of 2022. She's now fully integrated that she hired her own head coach. They have their star young player in Aaliyah Boston, who is as advertised and getting better, right? Yes. Their player development track record looks good with her already. Kelsey Mitchell looks better. She's had a crazy streak here as they've gone on this win streak. Like a lot of the key stuff they needed to get right to turn the franchise around has all been clicking and hitting. And I think that's great. And their player development this season, right? Grace Berger's gotten better since the season started, who they picked. Victoria Saxton's been a hit for them in the third round. Like all that kind of stuff they have to be happy about because this is certainly the start of a project for them. It's longer term. They're climbing out of the W basement. They've done that. They're 10th now. They're, you know, their net rating suggests they're closer to the playoffs than their record does. Yeah. And yet they still have this just giant problem of inconsistency where, for a 40-minute game, they play well for, I'll say, 33 of them, 34 of them most nights, and the other six border between laughable and atrocious. And I, I, they know that, right? I, I, I'm not saying that to insult them. Like, they'll tell you that in their post-game press conferences. It's just it, – it's crazy how bad that stretch can be. Oftentimes, it's been in the clutch. Like, their clutch net rating is by far the worst in the league. They can't get stops. They give away all these close games. But sometimes it is in the clutch. Sometimes it's just a, a three-minute stretch in the second quarter and two minutes in the third quarter that they just look – helpless and they can't recover from that and I think that is a symptom of a young team that they will improve on that but that is certainly the thing they would like to improve on the most I don't think they're as happy with their defense as they'd like to be it's much better than it was in past seasons I think that's where they would like to see the most growth right they're still really reliant on Aaliyah Boston to clean up stuff around the rim which is good she's a great post presence yeah. but you shouldn't need to rely on her all the time right stop mm -hmm. the symptom on the perimeter things can get better so I think there's a lot of stuff they like they're playing great right now but i think there's still always things that teams look for for progress especially when you're a young team and i think youth is maybe that theme component that we have to think about with this indiana franchise right now that it is very young that was how they yeah. kind of put themselves out there a year ago and even going into this season there's been losing streaks there's been winning streaks there was an eight game losing streak in June, in June and July, where they suffered. Then you had another four-game one in early August. As you said, they're sitting on a three-game win streak right now, kind of feeling a little bit of a boost. But the, when you ride that wave and you think about this first season with a new head coach, give me your impression, your thoughts, as in terms of that person being at the head, you know, the buck stops at the top. How has that transition happened? How has that been received? And is youth going to be able to, to continue to be the theme that they move forward with? Yeah, it's almost like like Christy Sides is not a young person compared to athletes, but like right. she's a first year coach, right? So like yeah. she herself is youth in that way. And 
her energy is like exactly what this team needed to me. Like she, I, I, you know, we talked about other sports earlier. Like I covered the Pacers too. Rick Carlisle's their head coach. He stands perfectly still. He's never animated. When he calls a timeout, he walks over to his assistants. He grabs a clipboard. He, you know, he does his thing. Christy sides probably runs 10 miles a game, right? She right. is flying up and down the sidelines and she's jumping to contest shots when her team wants to. And she literally pulls players off the bench when she wants them to check into the game. And she's pointing at stuff. She's yelling and every post game presser, her voice sounds like she just smoked a whole pack of cigarettes and, and she needs a cough drop and some tea and she feels better the next day. And like it, that kind of energy is what they need because right. you follow the leader in that way as a young team. Right. So mm-hmm. you can't be, you can't be dull. You can't be slow. You can't be inattentive or Christy sides is going to lap you and you're not going to play as much or you're, something's going to change. I think that's what this team needed from a, from just an energy and stylistic perspective. And then the stuff she focuses on is exactly what they needed. Right. I mean, they couldn't yes. stop anybody last year. Right. And they, they, they don't press, but you know, they, they joke about in practice, like they pick up 94 feet the second they walk in the gym and they're all about ball pressure and being aggressive on defense. So they can get into transition and, that is part of being inconsistent. When you're being aggressive, you give up certain things. But I think that is exactly what they needed. And so for a young team with a young inexperienced, I think it's probably a better term, head coach, that that kind of growing togetherness, I think, will be good for them. And you're seeing it now, right? They're, they're finally implementing their stuff. They're being more patient within their speediness, if that makes any sense. And it looks cohesive in a way that it maybe didn't in those losing streaks that you just talked about. We'll talk about Aaliyah Boston in our second, in our next segment, because I think she obviously has been such a focal point, but you mentioned Kelsey Mitchell. And I think that's a player who over time, her game has evolved, figured out exactly what she does well, how it fits into the W mantra. You know, how do you kind of become that prototypical pro player? Seems as though Kelsey Mitchell's figured that out. Is it system? Is it a fresh face on the sideline? What do you think has been the the piece for her that has made her succeed in such a success? In camp, the, the word people kept using was like deceleration, right? She's always been fast with the ball and she can shoot. But like in camp, everybody's like, okay, she can slow down better now. And that that kind of has just like expanded outward to just be like slowing down her like processing of the game in a good way, not like she's reading the game slower. And right. so, you know, what just impressed me a couple of games ago, they beat the storm uh, and she was getting doubled like the whole game. And you that used to be sometimes she would like try to split the double and look for her shot or try to get it out quick to to get the double to move. This time she'd like see it dribble back three times, turn the right direction and find the open teammate. And their offense looked great that night. She didn't have a lot of assists herself, mm-hmm. but she moved the ball well in a way that was really huge for the team. And then she went off and had 36 points. But like in August in general, she averaged 21.4 points per game, 3.2 assists on 48, 44 splits. Like she just, it's all kind of clicking. I think And yeah. the efficiency is the thing that got her to being at the all-star level this year, but being able to slow down herself and her processing of what's all going on while still being really fast with the ball and a good shooter has kind of made it all click for her offensively in a way that's made her be the best version of herself she's ever been. Well, and I think that is also says something about being a student of the game and understanding that you're going to have to make those Definitely. adjustments from season to season, from game to game, even in game, from quarter to quarter to know where to put yourself as what, and then put your team in the best position where you're going to have a chance to come out with a win at the end. That's what this team is looking for. They've struggled to find wins. So when we come back, we are going to talk a little bit more about what is it going to take 
not only at the end of this season, but looking forward so that this Indiana Fever franchise can be a part of the 2024 playoff picture. But first, a message from our friends at FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. It is right around the corner, friends. The NFL season is getting ready to kick off. I live in Kansas City, so everybody here is a Chiefs fan. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Hi, everyone. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. For our everydayers out there tomorrow on the show, more women's basketball coverage and more in-depth in the WNBA with our fearless leader, Howard Megdahl. I am here with Tony East. He covers the Indiana Fever Beat. We've been talking about this team, the ups and downs. They've rode the ebbs and flows of the season all year but one of the brightest spots has to be their all-star rookie, Aaliyah Boston, someone who we've watched in college in her career at South Carolina, Tony. And you say, you know what, that kid, she's got the game. She's got the tools. There's all of the pieces are there. Sometimes a kid who's that talented coming out of college, it may take a little bit more for that adjustment to the professional game. There was no need. There was nope. no gap. <laughs> and it was right from the get-go. Um, there's a. I want everyone to go to our friends at the Next Scoop. Tony's wrote a fantastic piece about Aaliyah, about the evolution of this season for her, where she's improved and what she's done. What has stuck out to you the most that you've seen in this first season from Aaliyah Boston? I was actually laughing writing that story recently because a big part of her growth and what her teammates have talked about is how much better she's gotten at handling doubles in the pros, which is funny because when I the first conversation I ever had with her after – after she got introduced to Fever Media, was she was so excited that she wouldn't get doubled anymore because she was doubled <laughs> all the time at South Carolina. But that is a big part of her season is she's so efficient with the ball. She makes so many right decisions that opposing teams are like, dang, she's a rookie. She's played whatever, 25 games when this started, I would say probably sooner than that. We got to send two we got, and we got to mix it up, right? That was the hardest part for Aaliyah was when the double came from her side or the wing, she could see it. She was ready. She could see where the open man was. She could take a dribble and make it happen. When it came from behind her on the baseline, she was not as good at those. That took her a little more time to figure out where it was coming from and more communication from her teammates. But as she has done for her whole basketball career, she figured it out very yeah. quickly, <laughs> right? And and now she's you know her passing has improved since the break, and her, they're allowing her to explore her jump shot a little more. And what has impressed me right away is it wasn't that they made some plays for her to shoot threes and she just started taking threes. They drew up plays for her to shoot threes, and then she'd catch it, shot fake, and then get to a spot she was more comfortable. And she leveraged that three into something better, right? Like she just quickly realizes how all these things she's good at can lead to more for her so quickly. And now she's doing it all, right? She had a coast-to-coast -coast layup against the Mystics last week that I was like, <laughs> what just happened? Like yeah. I've, I've, I see her dribble all the time and never like straight lines as fast as she can. It was just like, what's going on? Like what do you do if you're a defender? Like if you get in her way, she's going to body you. So – 
the slow progress, not even slow, really, but the progression of her game over the course of the season has just kind of been like, oh my gosh, like she could be awesome one day. I asked Christy Sides about this. Like, you're her head coach. Like, does this get you excited about what she could be in year two, three, four? She's like, I can't. I try to think about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just never true. know if she can be this level of shooter or this level of creator out of the post. Like, it, it's she's not unguardable. No one's truly unguardable, but yeah. it, it makes everything easier for everybody else. And I would like this is how I would sum up the impressive thing for her as a rookie, right? When she's on the floor, the Fever's offense is 17 points per 100 possessions better than when she's off, right? That's insane. Their two point percentage when Aaliyah Boston's in the game is 50.08%. When she's off, it's 43.8, right? So the shots are easier for her whole team because the attention she draws. And on threes, she's only taken seven threes this season. The Fever shoot 35.08% when she's in there from deep, 28.4 when she's out because they sent doubles. And so someone's open on the perimeter, right? So, like, Every single thing is easier when she's in the game. And her teammates have done a good job taking advantage of that. And she'll only get better. So that difference says a lot about her to me. And the fact that she keeps getting better is just mind-blowing. It just seems to me that the pro game has really come naturally to her. Oh, yeah. And 100%. and again, it's not necessarily um, going to be instantaneous. But you're making those adjustments, both in-game learning yeah. and practice, understanding, doing the film work, being a pro and being a pro isn't easy, especially when you come from college, it is a different world, but I think she's done that and made that transition seamless. All right, let's talk about yesterday. They, the fever get an 83 to 80 win over Atlanta. However, in the third Boston goes out with a thumb injury. And so this team who's been on a bump that they've seen a little bit of an uptick here. We've talked about the teams that are thriving, ones that are not. This has been the ones that are kind of inching a little bit. But yet, according to the analytics, they did starve off playoff elimination with that win yesterday. Puts them at 11 and 24. And yet they're at a 0.1% a chance of making the postseason this year. Do you know any more about this thumb injury? Has there been any more information released? And do we think we'll see Boston when they get back on the floor here in a few days? It's my last point about, you know, the team's offense being so much better when she's in there. She got injured. She comes out. And then the dream go on a 20 to three run, right? Immediately, <laughs> right? Like, and they recovered from it. They won. Yes. But you know, that was like, that was about to be the story of the game to me is they, they, they were flying through a million lineups with, you know, I'm a candidate center and Alyssa Smith, how we be. Got to figure out something, and and they they finally found a group that worked, but it took a while. Um, yeah, I don't know anything. Christy Sides told us after the game that yes, it's a right thumb injury. She has not talked to the trainer yet. She did have to come out of the game. She left the bench and then came back to the bench and was still in her uniform. I don't know if that means anything, but like she didn't put on sweats or anything. <laughs> I walked over there mostly because I was trying to, to like film the final possessions, like I do. And I could see there was like she had her thumb elevated the whole time, right? She was like sitting like this, and there was like tape wrap up the side. Um, so the the short answer is I don't know for sure anything. <laughs> yes. Um, if if that percentage of the playoffs was a little higher than zero point one percent, I might be a little more confident that she'll play uh, every game the rest of the season. I don't know what it's going to mean or what the injury truly is. Like if it's broken, she's just done. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know that it is. It's hard to say just from what we know and what was said. Uh, I have a picture of the tape wrap. I probably should share that like a good journalist instead of just keeping <laughs> it on my phone. But um, yeah, if she can't play, that's, I mean, they're already on, they already have to win out and have the Sparks lose out to make it. That's already mm -hmm. probably not going to happen anyway. Um, but if she is injured, it's, it's their season's just, I mean, they're not going to win out. And I don't know if she can or can't, but the fact, I think like a, some context clues suggest that she's like fine-ish. Mm -hmm. 
but the context of the fever season and the fact that she had to keep it elevated make me think maybe not, but they have five days off before their next game. So I can't give you any concrete answers, which maybe means I'm not doing my job correctly, but I think that it's something that could maybe keep her off the floor a little bit, but maybe not season ending. That would be my guess, but that is again, a guess. All right. Well, as you said, five games left. And then if you're, if you're Indiana, if you're a fan, if you're looking at this franchise, I think the next question has to say more than likely not going to be in the playoffs. Therefore we've got to look forward. We've got to think about the future. So if you, as you've watched this team all season, we've seen the progression, we've seen Aaliyah Boston just kind of burst onto the WNBA scene and be such a, a, a huge piece of what they can build around. Um, Let's look into the looking glass. Let's think forward. What has to happen with what are the needs? What are the things that this franchise are going to need moving forward? What do they find in free agency? What are they going to have to look for in the draft? What happens next? Uh, shooting. They need shooting. <laughs> it's not even that they are a bad shooting team. They were before this year. This year, they're like seventh, I think, or eighth in the league in three-point percentage. But like one really big threat like a Sammy Whitcomb level or a Beck Allen level shooter mm-hmm. would just totally change the geometry of this team and like make it hard to double Leo, give more yes. space for Kelsey Mitchell. Like all the stuff that they have would be amplified that much more with like a lights out. They have good shooters. Like Christy Walsh just won them a game making six threes last night, but more shooting would go a long way for them. I think that's been the, the biggest thing that has kind of come and gone. Like they have some games where they look awesome shooting and some games where they just look totally woeful. And so a little more consistency there, I think would open up a lot for them. Their offense has been pretty solid this year, right? They're fifth in offensive rating, um, which means they're bad at defense too. And that's the other thing that they want to improve. And they've been awful on defense for years and years. They are currently last in defensive rating by 0.1 points per 100 possession which uh is still last uh last year their defensive rating was two points worse than that like they're they're making strides but to me three and d wings which are like the most valuable thing ever basically as role players they need those they need as many of those as they can get and in general point of attack defense right like i said earlier Aliyah can cover up some mistakes but not all of them and so the not even forcing her to do it right being able to contain more on the perimeter i think would go a long way so those would be the two skills that i think they need the most target someone who can defend on the perimeter, target players who can shoot. If that's the draft, if that's free agency, whatever, they'll have the opportunity to do both. They'll have the top lottery odds, assuming they don't uh, get the 0.1% playoff chance. So that's, of course, encouraging news for them. But that's the challenge now for Lynn Dunn is, as she said, her plan for the team when she was hired was a three-year get-back-to-contention plan. Next year's year three. So those pieces will need to come or – they can hope internal improvement gets them there, but I think they'll need at least one more piece that can do one of those things to get there. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. And it seems as though both Lynn Dunn, Christy sides, they're going to earn those paychecks in this off season yeah. and figure out what are those missing? What are those missing spots? Who are the people that can come in and fill that? And it can't be projects. I don't think that you're at that point now where you can say, well, this might be someone that could help us. I think you're going to need definitive talent people that have that have shown with some experience that they can make that happen i think that's going to be huge for them that's how you get over the hump there's no doubt about it all right when we come back the fever very very slim chance of making the playoffs but there are a host of other teams out there that are just trying to claw their way in who's got a shot at it and what to look for in these last couple weeks of the WNBA regular season
Hi, everyone. I am Missy Heidrich. Thank you for joining us here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. I am with Tony East, beat reporter for the Indiana Fever from the next. And Tony, you've seen all these teams all season long. You've watched so many of them in person um, as they've been there to play the Fever. We know that there are two teams that have been eliminated from the playoff picture, the Seattle Storm and the Phoenix Mercury. They are out. Uh, the Fever are just hanging on by a thin thread with that 0.1% analytic opportunity to make it in. <laughs> Three teams in, they've got their spots. The reigning champions, the Las Vegas Aces, New York and Connecticut. Let's talk about that next tier. What strikes you as um, interesting maybe about those teams that sit there and who has the opportunity to vault themselves? Who could make a statement here in these last 14 days or so of the regular season and give themselves a chance? Yeah, it's jarring how close all these teams are with yeah. you know, just two weeks to go, Absolutely. right? Yeah, Dallas is, I, I think Dallas is one away from clinching their spot. But after that, it's like you just kind of shrug. Like it, it because of the dominance of Vegas and New York and really, really even Connecticut, too, although. You know, injuries have certainly uh, made them not as dominant as many thought. Like the fifth seed's under 500 right now. <laughs> it's crazy how jumbled this playoff picture is from five through 10 and how these teams are going to separate themselves. I think it's going to be very dramatic. Like uh, I, I've, I've always thought the Mystics were maybe the third best team in the league this year. They've been just destroyed by injuries. That will be to me, maybe the biggest storyline to watch as this closes. And obviously the battles for actually making it and not making it are important and seeding matters, but the Mystics, EDD's back. They're yes. a, they're a little healthier, right? Can they surge? They're sixth right now. They're a half game behind Minnesota. Can they get into the four five? Because I think they can beat. I mean, maybe they can even beat Connecticut. But I think they can beat a lot of teams in a postseason series and be threatening if they're fully healthy. So can they put it all together in such a short amount of time with health finally on their side for a little bit? And if so, no one's going to want to play them. <laughs> even the right. top teams aren't going to want to play them in the second round. So that's one of be my biggest things to watch. They did just win their last game with EDD back uh, is can they, you know, Atlanta's right on them. The Sparks are only one game back of them. I believe like it's, it's a thin line of separation between, potentially a very successful postseason first round and a dramatic, uh-oh, we're playing New York or Vegas first round. So mm -hmm. if they can put it together, that'll be something I'm watching. And then does anyone rise up of that kind of last tier of teams fighting to get in? Minnesota has a decent record, but their net rating's not very good. They win a lot of close games, which there's something to say for that. That does matter. Collier is amazing in the clutch all season, but at some point, you know, you got to show that you can separate yourself from some of these teams and they haven't been able to do that. The dream are two and eight in their last 10. They're probably still going to make it, but are they really for sure going to make it? They're only two games ahead of the sky. Like all these teams to me have like slightly interesting storylines. The Sparks look great right now, uh, despite losing to the Sun last night. So uh, there's so many interesting things about kind of all these teams. But to me, the most interesting one is, is the Mystics goodness. Will it rise up? for lack of a better term, and the Lynx general poorness. Can they avoid it and get a good enough seed to kind of fight and do something interesting? Well, and that's what I think happened. You mentioned uh, Elena Deladon. She's back for the Mystics. Is that enough of the bump that they need? You don't yeah. know. She has 21 in her return over the weekend. I wanted to ask you about Atlanta because you saw them in that game that they lose by three when Boston goes down, doesn't play in the fourth quarter, and Indiana gets that win. 
is that a team that sort of is trending down while others are maybe headed up? And then you say, well, congratulations, you're going to ink into the playoffs in the seven <laughs> or eight seed. And congratulations, you get to play Vegas or you get to play New York. I mean, that sounds like a blast. I don't know. It makes for a pretty quick series if you are not trending in the right way. Yeah, the, like there are there. I don't even know what the right way to say this is like. There are the teams that. Even if you get blasted by those teams, like being a young team that gets playoff experience is still good. And I think right. the Dream are one of those teams. So, like, they'll be happy to make it if they yeah. do, even if it's 7-8. <laughs> but, whew, I mean, they, they like, re- remind me of the Fever a little bit and that their offense just totally waxes and wanes from, like, oh, my gosh, you can't stop Ryan Howard at all. This team is incredible to, like, they can't score at all. <laughs> they scored, yeah. scored 12 points in 12 minutes or something like that. And some of that's right. lineup and some of that's Ryan's injury right now. And she – Got hit again in the face late in that fever game. Um, you know, the, but the, it just hasn't all been there for them in a way that it was earlier in the season when they were, how, how did they get where they, I don't think they were ever third, but they were certainly fourth at times this year in the standings. Like that has to be better for them. I think that that's kind of waned away and they still have the talent to make it to me. I think it'll only, you know, it'll only take two-ish more wins and right. there's a Sky Sparks game coming, which means one of those teams has to lose, which is good. For the dream, I'm sure we'll talk about that game in just a second, but yeah. um, they just don't, they don't look connected right now. And it's not a good time for that with all these teams right on your tail. And they, they have really the season. I know they can recover because I've seen them be better than this. I've seen them score a hundred points mm-hmm. against the fever also in Gamebridge. So uh, I've certainly seen them at their best and worst, but currently trending in a bad way. And, and for lack of a better term, they just don't look connected. And that, that seems like lazy analysis, but that's what it was. You mentioned games. What on the schedule here this last two weeks or so, 14 days, the ones that you think are going to stand out? We know Vegas, New York, Connecticut, they're in. Uh, whether we see a little load management, a few here or there, I don't know. Um, if I'm Becky Hammond, I got to think smart of how I want to use these last two weeks and have your team rested and ready to go when the playoffs commence. But for the others, the ones that are trying to find their way in, trying to put themselves in a position where you don't end up in seven or eight, what games are you circling over the course of the last couple of weeks? Every time they play each other, it's obviously going to be huge. And one that kind of fits both of the, the storylines I just gave you a second ago. Later to, or tomorrow, excuse me, Mystics Links in yeah. D.C., right? That one's going to be huge because if the Mystics truly are going to have the surge and look better down the stretch and the Lynx want to s- s- stay ahead of them and stay in that 4-5 where they might have more of a, a chance, that's a huge game, right? They're, that game could decide who is in fifth by the end of the night. And I, as a fan of the sport, would like to see the Mystics in fifth. But yeah. if the Lynx earn it, they earn it. And they've been playing. They started terrible. And they've been playing very well since. Like, they've earned the right to be here. Credit to them. So I, I'm looking forward to that game. And obviously, the same night is maybe the biggest game in terms of the odds of making the postseason left of the season in Sky Sparks, who are one win apart. I think they're one and a half standings games apart this late in the season for that final spot to make it. Uh, I think both of these teams on their goal list before the season thought making it was something they should be doing. Right. Yeah. And so not making it would be certainly a problematic for both of those teams. And uh, I think that'll be a huge game. Sp- the sky really need it. They finally got to win. The sparks finally lost. Right. So a little bit of shift in momentum there, but really as the season kind of progresses, there's not a ton of them, but all those games between these teams that are close, right. Minnesota hosts Atlanta uh, pretty early in September, like all these jumbled up teams in the middle of the standings every time they play each other it's gonna be a huge game right it'll have massive implications on basically the entire rest of the standings. i think the sparks play the mystics in there once i can't remember all of them off the top of my head but um those ones for the eight nine 
stand out. Every Mystics game is going to stand out to me. But anytime anybody below Dallas and above Indiana plays each other, it's a huge game on the rest of the schedule. You got it. And it is the 28th of August. Therefore, today, right now, sitting at four is Dallas. Five is the Lynx. The Mystics are at six. Atlanta Dream at seven. The Sparks are at eight. Then it's the Sky and the Fever still hanging tight. You have to say the Fever still. Uh, they're still in there. Again, there is no, there's no elimination next to their name. They are That's still right. alive. The regular, they've already set a single season record for wins, and there's two weeks left of the regular season. As you've seen these teams, you watch as much as anybody does. Can anybody beat Vegas? Is there any way that this team does not repeat in 2023? I was banging the drum for a while that they were the best basketball team ever, like and NBA included, <laughs> like they are the best team ever. And then the Liberty beat them twice, including one of them very handily. <laughs> so that made me walk that, maybe not walk it back. Like I still think they're really good, but the emergence of John Quell as like a consistent, very good contributor versus just like an extra piece, if that makes sense, has made me think, oh, okay, the Liberty do have a shot mm-hmm. at this. If the, if the sun were fully healthy, yeah, I'd consider them. They looked really good early in the year. They're not. Yeah. So I, I think Vegas is, the favorites maybe that's just because they're my favorite team to watch still but um <laughs> if they get candace parker back i i think they're they'd be the favorite still but the liberty have certainly made me walk back my they are undisputedly one of the best teams ever take and i will say that there is a chance i just hope it's those two teams in the finals because i think that's yes. just gonna be such an awesome series yeah i think they are the number one challenger i think i'm absolutely right and if you were gonna script this out so that we head to the into September, I think that's the one that everybody wants to look at. They want to say, yeah, we're going to get a Vegas, New York WNBA final and have them duke it out and see where it goes. And hopefully it goes for the entire series and it's not a sweep or somebody gets out of there early. Cause I think that would make for great basketball and a fantastic showcase of the WNBA. That's what you want. Yes. You want to be able to do that and put that in front of people to continue to grow this professional side here for the WNBA. hundred percent agreed. Like, Star full teams made the NBA go from like a hobbyist thing to like a national thing in the 80s and 70s. And I think there's a chance for the W to have a very similar moment with these teams. And I just I really hope nobody gets hurt on the, yes. either of those two teams headed up to the finals because they were clearly built to be contenders and beat each other. And I hope we get a chance to see it. Well, you're the man of the you're a man of the NBA, so you know you know those words load management. I mean, come on, they're part yeah, of the vernacular. I, I know what it is, but I hate it at the same time. <laughs> it's just part of what we're supposed to be talking about. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to yeah, put yeah. that into the line. <laughs> All right, Tony East, where does everybody find you, my friend? Yes, on tw- uh, whatever it's called. I almost said Twitter. Um, the the former <laughs> bird app. I'm there on at Tony R East for coverage of Indiana's professional basketball teams at the next hoops as well uh, for coverage of the fever who we talked about for 25 minutes here because they are rolling. Lots of fun stories coming out there. Yes. Three game series, three game winning streak for the Indiana fever. And again, go see Tony's work at the next hoops.com. A fantastic piece about Aaliyah Boston and the evolution of her game in this rookie season and a team to keep your eye on. They are still in the playoff picture. It's slim, but they are still there. Thank you, Tony. It has been fantastic. You can find me, Missy Heydrich, on X, formerly known as Twitter, Bird App, whatever, and all my amazing colleagues. Make sure you follow us at thenexthoops.com and this podcast at 
Locked On WBB. Thank you, everybody, for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. Tomorrow on the show, more women's basketball and WNBA coverage with our fearless leader, Howard Megdahl. We will see you next time right here on Locked On Women's Basketball. The playoffs are coming. The regular season is coming to an end. Get ready. It is going to be a very fun September.